1: with authors the podcast i am your host erica lance today i'm i'm recording outside because it's beautiful here in north carolina um <laughs> my co-host today is the amazing danielle orsino thank you for being here and our guest today is janelle Woo! 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 okay um first our sponsor today skunk brother spirits the coupon code is dwa10 please check them out they got a lot of great holiday stuff also, don't forget to like and subscribe. You're listening right now. So pick up the phone or whatever device you have and hit like and subscribe because we'd love that. And then if you want to leave us a review, We'd also love that. We like reviews, especially if they're drunk reviews. They make it even better. Um, and if you're an author who wants to be on the show or you have an author you want on the show, email us at drinkingwithauthors um, at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you unless it's hate mail and then we don't want it and we'll delete it. Okay, cool. Let's talk about what we're drinking. I am drinking. I found I find magical things in the back of my fridge all the time. I say that, but it makes me sound like a terrible drunk. But I did, behind some liquid death water, find the last two remaining, excuse me, still getting over COVID, Angry Orchard Hard Fruit Cider Tropicals. So I'm super Ooh. excited because I have two of those left. And they're not in the stores anymore that I can find. Hmm. Danielle, what are you drinking today?
2: I pulled out my barefoot. I've got my barefoot red Moscato, and I've got my uniform, my unicorn
1: goblet. So I'm all set. Ooh. i absolutely love that goblet. i really need to get a goblet that's what my yes next goal is going to be Hashtag everybody should goblet. have one um do you know what are you drinking
0: well i went super exciting today and have a very nice tall glass of water wow
1: that, Yay. that can be super <laughs> exciting and fancy depending <laughs> on what you do with the water so i did pretty buy
0: pretty. vodka for this um for this episode but i didn't I didn't make the drink today, but I did. I do have vodka downstairs that I was going to drink for this, and then I forgot.
1: You no, know, I can understand. We're in the middle of the day, and if one has life responsibilities, one can't be like me—a little hard on a mountain and drinking cider. That's, you know, not everybody true. has those life goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm laughing, but it's true. Okay, Janelle, for our readers out there that don't know you, can you talk about what you write? I write historical fiction
0: with a lot of romance to it. And so far my books have been published during World War One and World War Two, And they have lots cool. of action and adventure and touches of history in them, but also lots of um, love
1: stories. Very cool. When did you start your writing? When did you just say, I'm gonna be a writer? Or were you a writer when you were like four and you- Well, had- you know, I've always been a big reader Um, And I've
0: always enjoyed writing little stories and stuff, but I didn't get serious about it until I was in college and I just was getting sick and tired of stories not going how I wanted them to go. So I said, (laughs) "Get it, I'm just going to write my own story and they're going to do what I want them to do. So college was when I actually sat down and started doing it
1: seriously. Very cool. And what was it your first book you were writing in college or did you write something different?
0: I wrote, um, so I'm obsessed with Scotland, and so my first book was all about Scotland and this whole mess, I mean it, that story will never see the light of day because it was just awful, but I think sometimes you have to just get it out of your system, you know, and then learn from those types of mistakes, so that one will probably never get published, um, But then I moved on to other stories, and it was a pirate story, which landed me my first agent that never got published because pirates are just not exciting enough for the market
1: at the moment. Go hmm. figure. Well, if that's true, I think for traditional yeah. publishers, they like their boxes. That's what I'm going to say because there are Great. a lot of us out there that love meets some pirates so but continue on <laughs> yes I thought everybody loves
0: pirates right because pirates of the Caribbean had just come out so they were real hot at the moment but like you said people kind of like their boxes so then I, I delved into um, the world wars and that's what really got me my
1: contracts so that's very cool so do you have how many books do you have published now five one, two, three, four, five. And then my
0: sixth one comes out uh, in November.
1: Very cool. So what was the first one?
0: The first one that I wrote or the first one that got
1: published? The first one that got published, because the first one you wrote was the <coughs> Scottish story, which we all love yeah. Scottish. I mean, Outlander. Let's let's take some guilt. Yeah. Some fun with that. I'm just yeah. not going to lie. I'm all about all of these themes right now. So, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, So The one that got published first was probably like the third book that i had written um and it's called among the poppies and it's set during the great war and it's about a female ambulance driver on the front lines where she meets an army captain and of course they fall in love but go through some problems so that's the first one
1: that's very so did you were you a big history buff or what made you oh look at the eye if you're watching the youtube you see the (laughs) eyes get really big okay explain Um, your history buffness so i've always been attracted
0: to history like when my mom would take me to the library when i was little she'd find me over in the biography section reading stories about the alamo and abraham lincoln and all this stuff along with some babysitter club too because you got to keep it light sometimes (laughs) but i just i love history and i don't know I don't know why but i always thought that i was born in the wrong era you know which when you talk to history people they always say that same thing although i do like air conditioning and running water Um, i'm
1: gonna say there's a lot of perks to present day like even people who are like i wish i was born in the 60s i'm like well "Mm -hmm." let me explain some stuff that didn't exist in the 60s and then you decide (laughs) which if you wish that that's where you were right so i think it's looking
0: history through rose tinted glasses like oh they must have had it easier and things were just simpler and people were more polite and you got to wear fancy clothes and well i mean that's part of it i'd love to have a big like floofy dress and stuff but um i don't know if i would actually survive in in olden times but i just think they're fascinating i think that there's things going on there um, that maybe we could learn from from today
1: I'm sure that's the case. Um, and those clothes are are quite heavy though. Have you actually had the opportunity to put on period clothes? I haven't. The
0: closest I've come is my wedding dress where I had a big crinoline a hoop skirt and I felt like a princess for a day. That's the closest.
1: That is amazing. But I want you to imagine that with wool. I know. (laughs) It's 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 that's the other thing is I actually have because we I cosplay, so does Danielle. So I have period outfits. Like I have Lestat's outfit from Interview with the Vampire, the oh. um, velvet one with a gold embroidery. And man, that thing with the vests and the shirt, I'm like, it had to be freezing cold out to go anywhere in this outfit because it was so warm. It was ridiculously warm. And I was yeah. like, this is crazy.
2: Yeah. Can no me- radiant heat in those days. So yeah, you know gotta keep it warm oh Oh,
1: yeah i guess so i mean that's true there isn't central heat either anyway so okay so the writing book bit you in college um are you are you traditionally published yes okay so how was that journey for you other than not putting out your pirate book which i feel like is a shame and hopefully you revive that
0: i would love to although it might end up being one of those um indie indie books that I I get to, because I'd like to to get it out there because we need more pirates, I think. Oh,
2: yeah, Um, we do. Yes.
0: So I got my agent um, and then she shopped it around for a couple of years, actually. And I think five years. She shopped it around and nobody wanted the pirate thing. And I just kept writing and writing. And eventually she sold Among the Poppies to a very small publisher who were very excited to get it and of course i was thrilled to have you know someone like my work and i had two books published with them and they did very well and then we pitched to a larger house and they took me on who i'm currently with which is thomas nelson
1: that's very very cool so did you ever think of self-publishing besides this pirate book which you need to self-publish obviously because that needs to get out there what the heck i know
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um Yes and no. I've always wanted to do the traditional route. That's been my number one thing, but I've never not considered um, indie publishing if I need to. Or are these little pet projects like the pirate book or some other ideas that I have that probably aren't mainstream, but I want to tell them anyways. And I feel that going the self-published route is probably what will
1: happen with them. That would be very cool. Um, How long? So when was your first book published? 2018. Oh, wow. So five mm-hmm. books in four years. That's, yes. That's
0: yes. Cool. So I, I just write continually nonstop. And so when my publisher says, Oh, do you have something? Yeah, here you go. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. I like I'm always writing something because I like to write and be busy with it and always have a story ready
1: to go that's very cool now i met you at ala which is the american library association mm-hmm. um convention i almost said concert but that would be really weird although there i think was a concert i think there was somebody singing there but that's moot that's a moot. that's not even the point of the story but i met you there because you were doing book signings have you mm-hmm. done a lot of book signings um
0: for me, I think there are a lot, um, probably not compared to someone who's who's been doing this for a long time. but for each book, I'll maybe do about four or five signings, which which is pretty good.
1: Do I you think. go to events that your um, publisher says to or are you want are you going to events for yourself too? Like have you gone to writers' conferences and stuff like that with your books yourself?
0: ALA is the only one that I've gone to because of my publisher um because they're there and well this last one I begged them can I please please let me come because I live right outside of DC and you know that's where the conference was so I was like please please just let me come and they let me come um but all my other signings they've just been in the local area with Barnes and Nobles or um independent books uh bookstores And I've set them up myself, which is what almost all authors have to do unless you pay for a book tour. And I'm poor, so I can't afford a book tour.
1: Well, I understand all of that. I'm actually glad you said that because I think for a lot of authors listening, you know, you're talking traditional. We talk to a lot. We talk to authors that are traditional all the way to self-publish and you know, the hazy bits in between. We've unfortunately run into a couple Vanity Press people. I will reiterate again, do not publish with the Vanity Press unless you're literally just publishing the book to hand it out to your family. If that's all you Mm -hmm. want to do with it, you could still self-publish it. It's easier, but otherwise don't go with Vanity Press. But I think it's important that you said that because authors have to champion in themselves regardless of how great the publishing company is. And I say that as a publisher as well. It's not easy to you know necessarily get your voice out there mm. um, what was it like when you did your first signing when you, you how big was it when you did your first one?
0: Oh gosh i'm trying to remember because my my first two books like i said were with a very small publisher and so they they didn't have a lot of money i was pretty much doing everything by myself as far as marketing and stuff and I really didn't know how to go about book signing. So I really didn't do anything. And then COVID hit and nothing happened. Um, So my very first in-person book signing was last summer. I think, Um, and yeah, I was was a nervous wreck. I think it was at Barnes and Nobles and I was so nervous and so scared that nobody would show up or like my books or anything Um, and luckily, people would stop by because they were interested and and that that felt really awesome so I don't really draw big crowds because I'm not a big name I'm still working my way up the ladder but I I do everything I can to get myself out there because that's what you have to do
1: no that's true what did anybody come up to your booth that had read your other stuff before
0: yes now that I have a couple of books out a couple of people said oh I have your thing on the Kindle. You're It looks really familiar. Like they weren't quite sure, but they're like, I, I'd seen you before. So I'm starting to get a little bit of recognition, which is nice.
1: That's very cool. Especially when you get your first fangirl moment. I call it a fangirl, regardless of what the gender is of the human that comes up to you, because there's going to be a moment they're like, oh my God, I love your books. It's okay. <laughs> my favorite character is some obscure character that was just a plot point by the way that's gonna happen i don't care who you are as an mm-hmm. author that happens to you you will have yes it does your character that you wrote just for a plot point and they'll be like bob's my favorite character in the whole world <laughs> and you're like you literally have to go control find bob who's this person <laughs> yep Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. And especially when people start asking you about your story, how confident do you feel you remember everything about your story? I say that as somebody who doesn't absolutely remember every little detail. Danielle, do you remember every detail of your stories?
2: Um pretty I yeah, I'm pretty good like that. I mean, I also have a cheat sheet. I also have the author index where I've written down all the characters, physical description, who they're related to, and a major thing that's happened. And what their personality traits are I do have that so if there's something I'm not quite sure of, I can refer back to the author index but I've had that a couple times where somebody asked me about a character and I was sitting there going I have them in the book like that, that's a character and I was really looking like and I had to literally text my husband I was like can you please uh look up this and he's like oh yeah that's so and so I'm like oh that's yeah I did write that okay cool yep we're good we're good keep going
1: when you get in front of the person, you got to just go, oh yeah, no, I like, yeah, one of my favorites, one of my favorites, mm-hmm. this is- or what did you like best about that? I'm just curious, because then maybe yeah. you say something that you go, oh yeah, that was the blah, that was Bob, yep. okay, cool.
0: Yeah, because you write these stories, and it's been two years, like you've moved on, mm-hmm. so it's hard to remember, and so you have to give some, oh, okay, awesome, moving on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what happens, which is kind of funny and amazing. So that's cool. What was it like when you first autographed? Because a lot of people, did you did you decide what your signature was going to look like? Did you practice <laughs> it?
0: Well, I did think like, how am I going to sign this? Um, but it just ended up being my regular signature. So nothing super fancy. It's,
1: it's just easier. Okay. Have you come up with the messages you write in there? So this- I did yeah something people don't think about a lot when you're going to sign books but you have to kind of think of a set of like five or six messages that you write in the book Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be thinking about it while you're sitting there and Mm -hmm. doing it so
0: yeah I usually ask them you know do you want me to put your name in here or do you want just a signature and then when I first started signing, I would put a message in there that related to that specific book, but I haven't done that lately because sometimes it takes too long to just write an entire sentence. Maybe
1: I should give more thought to that, but no, a I, tagline. a yeah. tagline. Come up with a couple taglines. I yeah. mean, I think the signature is just as great, but and it's also funny because I, I find that when you ask them if they want, you know, do you want me to dedicate this to you? Like it strikes them as something that they never thought was humanly possible. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had that look from them where they go, Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, which is what is your experience that this has never been offered before? Like, why are we at this point? Mm -hmm. Well, I like to offer because I
0: know some people, you know, myself included that maybe you want to read it and then give it away. But if it's like signed to marry, then you can't, you're like, well, now I have to keep it. Or give it to someone named Mary because it's got a personalization on it. So I
1: think you can pay it forward. I've bought many books off of eBay that have signatures in them to, dedicated to somebody. And I was like, this is so cute. I hope Carly wanted to give up her book because I have <laughs> it in my position now. Mm-hmm. Danielle, did you have a good, <clears throat> as I start my COVID cough again, did you have any questions before we go to break? I was wondering about the research involved. If you're already a history buff, how deep
2: do you dive when it comes to uh, the books or the plot? Like, do you go and look up, I don't know, mannerisms from that decade? Or do you do anything like that?
0: Yes, so because I love history so much, I have read quite a bit about it. When I was first starting, I needed to read a lot more. especially when you're diving into one of the world wars, you really have to know what was going on at the time. The, you know, the language that was used, what was happening, happening politically, socially, all these things, because they're all involved in the war. But now that I've been doing this for a little while, I don't have to do it as deeply because I've established a good foundation of it. Um, That being said, My last book, which was called The Ice Swan, it was about a Russian princess who is fleeing Bolsheviks and she meets with a cardiologist. Well, I have no idea what cardiology is other than it's like heart stuff. So I had to go and research cardiology for it. So there are things that I do have to go and deep dive into um, that are specific to each story but it's my favorite part of the writing process because it seems all history people just love research. And then we sometimes forget, oh yeah, I have to go and read the book or write the book now, get off the mm-hmm. the research part of it.
1: How long do you research? Like, how, like your first book for World War, how much time did you spend researching?
0: Months, I'll spend months. And then I, I'll do it even as I'm writing because always something comes up that I'll need to learn more about. And I just like learning things. Um, So I'm always researching and in between books, but usually for when I focus on a specific book, it'll take me a couple of months to get all of my information that I
1: want to use. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back with drinking with authors at the 42 cast. We want to bring you everything. And that's why we've jam packed the next few months with as much as we can. You not only get the same reviews, topics, and interviews that you did before, you also get screen reads, where we compare a movie to its source material, or role models, where we talk about tabletop gaming. It's never been a more exciting time to check out our show. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything, so why not check it out? We can be found on most podcasting platforms, and we are a proud member of the ESO Network. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. Okay, we are back. We are back. So, history, well, what did you study in college? Let's ask that because you started writing in college. What did you go to college for, though?
0: Um... I was a biology major at first and then that got a little difficult so I switched over to nutrition and I decided I don't like eating lettuce all the time so then I switched over to um psychology which is what I got a bachelor's in and I loved it and I think that also kind of helps when you're writing characters because you have to know what each of them are thinking and what they're motivated by and how that enforces their actions and their worldview and and how they go about doing things. So I think that that learning those those classes and
1: stuff have really helped now. That's very cool. That is character building right there. Mm -hmm. Is there any, so you write romance, historical fiction romance, are there any genres that you want to delve into and haven't yet? I would love to do a little bit of fantasy. (laughs) <laughs> that's, not cool. like, that's what danielle writes so yeah Good. i would
0: i would love to not not like dragons or elves and kind of fantasy but something a little bit more um subdued with with a little bit of magic or even um time travel you know those kind of things Because i love outlander right we just <laughs> we discussed that um so just small elements i think it would be fun to kind of bend the rules
1: of a reality a little bit
2: like yeah. a romanticy kind of thing,
1: yes, yeah, cool, that's very cool. What are you presently working on?
0: I'm kind of in between projects at the moment. Um, I just finished up edits for um the the sequel to the Brilliance of Stars, and I'm kind of toying with this idea about um, I don't know if you're familiar with The Ghost and Mrs. Muir.. Mm-hmm. That one um, kind of putting a, a Scottish spin on a, a story kind of like that, where she moves into someone's house and it's haunted by this Scottish guy and she's trying to prove that he's not a traitor. And so just, just an idea that I'm working with yet, so.
1: I like this idea, especially because there's kilts involved. If you want to throw pirates into that too, you could. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Scottish pirate, then you'd be Scottish all pirate. There, there you go. Pirate. Everything's better mm. with a kilt. That That literally is my motto in life, is that everything is better with a Mm kilt, especially if worn properly. Yes. Okay. I'm going to
0: Scotland in two weeks, so I'm pretty (gasps) excited about
1: that. That is super exciting. I'm going in April. I'm excited. Mm. I'm doing an Ireland-Scotland thing in April of next year. Oh, fun. Are you going for just a trip or? Just a trip. We've been
0: there twice before,
1: but this time we're
0: going to drive ourselves around, so... That will be interesting, and we're taking our daughter with us, which will be even more interesting, Um, but we're making our own itinerary, so hopefully it goes well.
1: That's very, very cool. I think that's what I'm doing as well. I think that's awesome, and going and seeing all the, I want to do basically a pub a bed and breakfast crawl across Ireland where I go mm-hmm. to places that have a really nice bay Airbnb uh, not an Airbnb but a real bed and breakfast you know mm-hmm. where they make you breakfast in the morning yep. back on the mm-hmm. and then stay in a castle or two I think that's important to, oh. you know try to find Irish or Scottish ghosts in a castle right That'd That'd and badly for me because of things but I, it's going to be fun I think in, in yeah general. you can so what you <clears throat> writing process like like um do you you write in the morning when do you write where do you write um well like i
0: said i have a young daughter she's in the third grade so you know when i get up i'm in mom mode and i get her packed off to to school and then while she's gone from about nine to three is when i write and i write here in my office which i'm lucky enough to have my own room with all my bookshelves and everything i need in here And then at three o'clock, you know, it's time to turn back into mom mode again and and do the family thing. But, you know, while I'm here by myself, I try really hard to focus on what I'm doing and I get distracted a lot. Let's be honest. Um,
2: We all do. Pinterest
0: Pinterest is a lot more interesting sometimes than trying to figure out this sentence that just isn't working. Um, But yeah, so I, I try to shut everything down once the family comes home and try to focus on that because that's important too. Sometimes you have to step away from your work.
1: No, that's true. What about um, uh, your tribe? do you have you met a lot of other writers? Are you in a writing community at all?
0: Yes and no. Um writing is very solitary, which which I'm actually okay with for the most part because I, I like being by myself in order to get into the zone. But I do have just a handful of people that I can reach out to when I'm really struggling. It's, it can be hard to, to connect with people sometimes, um, especially people who like get you, get your work, get what you're trying to say and who can actually help you and stuff. But I have been fortunate enough to have just a couple of people that I can reach out to. Okay. But i don't belong to any writing groups or anything
1: that was my next question do you have writing groups or do you go to writing conferences or anything like that i do
0: not belong to writing groups um i think they can be hit or miss i agree 100 percent depending on the type of people who are in there i've heard of a lot of bad things where you get one person who kind of dominates and so in that respect i i don't think i really want to join one but i do want to start going to writing conferences I haven't been able to I'd like to go to the historical novel one that's um coming up next summer in San Antonio
1: well that's very cool very cool Mm -hmm. um when you've reached out to the bookstores and stuff have you um thought about going to any um like conventions that focus on say World War I or World War II with your books
0: I don't I don't know if they have conferences for books just related to... No,
1: they don't have them just for books. But like a friend of mine writes, he writes for the Tin um, Oil Hat crowd. He's a co-host sometimes, Mark Muncie. And he's right up now in the Mothman Conference. You know the Mothman? That's
2: right. Con- mm-hmm. West Virginia. It,
1: conference, carnival, what? The convention? What I think is- it's
2: the Mothman Conference. I think it's the actual, yeah. they're. Con- I think they call it a conference. Yeah. Yes.
1: And it's where a bunch of people go up to... Virginia, West Virginia, where? West Virginia. West, We're in Virginia, West Virginia, where the Mothman? This is how educated I am on this. Mark's gonna listen to this and be like, texting me. Can't wait for that text. Um, but Mothman, and he he went to the Mothman conference because he wrote a book called Erie Appalachia, which in there talks about the Mothman amongst other things. Have you ever thought about taking your books to some of the places? Because for all these people that do these wonderful reenactments and stuff like that, there are mm-hmm. the lives of those people that tend to do the reenactments. I've,
0: yeah. I will say I've briefly thought about it, but not seriously. I feel like I'm still trying to get my ducks in a row with like the local bookstores before I start reaching out to those kinds of events. But I see booksellers all the time. Like I live close to Mount Vernon, which is George Washington's home and they have events there all the time and they'll have authors come and set up a booth with with the other stuff which I think is always so neat because their book relates to George Washington or the Revolutionary War or something so I think that'd be something that I would be interested in doing down the road
1: it could be a fun idea what about reviews what was it like when you do you read your reviews yes and no um I feel like this is a yes. When I started, no, I decided I'm going to stop doing that, but that's that's kind of kind of what
0: it is because when you, when your book first goes out, you want to know what everybody's reaction is. Like, what are they saying about it? I know everybody's going to love it. And then you get a couple of good reviews and then you start getting those one, two stars and it can Mm -hmm. just gut you. Like, how dare you not love this story that I took two years to write and it's you know it can be heartbreaking and it can drag you down instead of focusing on all those other really good reviews about it so i've learned to just try and not read them my husband will read them and then he'll make sure to tell me just the good ones so that way i know people still like it
1: <laughs> i think that's very sweet of him but reviews are not actually for for you right they're you know and anybody interesting can write a review about anything even if they bought a book and they didn't like the book and it's not their book Mm -hmm. but we tend to see more negative reviews than positive reviews so you always got to take that grain of salt and go that wasn't the book for that person unless they are high you keep changing tenses throughout this book it's hard to track then you go okay maybe i have something that i need to look at Yep, yep but hopefully you have
0: a good editor who helps catch all those things
1: yes and we do need good editors to catch those things
2: danielle i was thinking with the reviews um i remember jason bateman once made a comment about a movie he was in and everybody was complaining that it didn't do well it was something about funerals i think jane fonda was in it and oh this is where you leave us yes he was talking about that
1: that story he was talking to the
2: director and the director was saying it like he was supposed to go out and make this big speech about the movie, box office numbers had already come in. And he was seeing some reviews and they weren't positive. And Bateman said to him, he goes, just remember, he said for all the negative stuff, he said, one person is saying, this is my favorite. And he, you know, and he's saying movie at the time. And he's like, and that should be all you need. And the director, when they were interviewing, he said that really stuck with me. So I think reviews are like that for all the negative, you have to remember somewhere, somebody is holding your book saying, "This this is my favorite, this was so good and it tends to wash away some of the negative, or at least make it more palatable. I don't know if you found that, Janelle.
0: Yes, I I had, because sometimes I will stumble across those reviews who say, this is the best book I've ever read. I love these characters. And it just, it means the world to you as a writer for someone to connect to your story and to get the message that you were trying to to say in it and like it made a difference to this one person and that is such an amazing feeling but sometimes you do have to wade through a lot of the the bad stuff to get to it but you're right we should focus more on the good stuff I think it's just in human nature to you know let the bad stuff get to us which is it's hard to overcome but
1: Well, one thing I always recommend, and I've said this on the podcast before, go find one of your favorite, very, very popular books, like a book you absolutely loved. And like, we make reference to like the Harry Potter books or the Hunger Games, Mm -hmm. but go look up one of those and click on the one-star reviews. They're there no matter who you are. Yep, absolutely. You're always going to get them. You're going to get them no matter what. It's just, does um, the positivity and the feedback you're getting from your audience outweigh that? Mm -hmm. absolutely that's what you have to look at because reviews again are not for authors in general they're for other readers absolutely most readers it's interesting is that I find that some readers read reviews but a lot of them I don't think they do I think they look at the overall plot thing and only if it's something like the books only got one star reviews then you might go wait a minute why does this book only have one star reviews but if they're mixed I think people go okay cool I want to see what this is about hmm yeah. Um, how I much did. control have you had over your covers being traditionally published? I've been very
0: fortunate in that I've been asked uh, my opinion and what it is that I want to see. Um, they give me a sheet that I fill out with all the information, like what the story is about, what time frame it is, what the characters look like, what's the feel I'm going for. And then they'll come with a couple of mock-ups And I can choose like the ones that I like and they take into consideration um, my thoughts and opinions, which has been fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's not only my decision, the whole team has to sign off on it, especially the sales team, because they're the ones who are going to be promoting this book and they have to like the cover and they have to be able to say, yes, this is going to stand out on the shelf. I've heard a lot of authors say they have no say whatsoever in their cover so I feel very fortunate that they do ask my opinion and and even though I can feel strongly about something I have to understand when they want to change something or say no this is actually what we're going to do because I know they're trying to do the best thing for the book.
1: Yeah no and I, th- I can tell you from a publisher side is that sometimes authors have these great ideas for their books that don't the book you know you people say never judge a book by its cover that's bullshit people always judge a book by its cover and they know whether or not by looking at the cover if it's a genre they read Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so if your cover does not look like the genre at all and i'm not saying they shall be carbon copies but if you look at like most horror novels have some dark element on the background and it's not like you see the monster always like that's not the thing right is it's a dark shadowy or water if water is involved and there's some dark shape floating in the water and like it's not very like this is exactly a horror like you don't see a dead body on the ground covered in blood with a freddy krueger over it Mm -hmm. generally because that's not a horror book but you know i've seen a lot of authors that get very especially um indie authors who get very excited about some picture like you could have found some picture from world war one and you're like this is the best picture ever but nobody would know that your book was a you know uh say for instance paranormal romance because you're like this is the best picture and it was from world war one like people would go yeah that doesn't work that way um what about your your writing do you have you found that you have any sort of achilles heels or things that you do that your editor is like "Stop." doing this
0: (laughs) um sometimes i i tend to write the same ending not like the so i write romances so they'll have the big misunderstanding and then you have to get them you know back together and stuff so a lot of times i will end up writing um the big misunderstanding is kind of the same way and they're like you do this all the time figure out something new so I go back and think of a new way to get them back together in the end um i try i try really hard though to not repeat myself but i do tend to to include scotsmen in there which not many people complain about let's be honest so i don't think nope. it's a bad thing that i repeat
1: that no no, nope, nope. nobody's gonna complain about that. No. About like that's not gonna be a complaint that comes from anybody. Nope. Never. No. Um, have any of your family and friends read your books? Like close family and friends? Um,
0: my husband tries to. He has the best of intentions. He's just super busy all the time. Um, my mom reads them, but they're not really her genre. She prefers kind of cozy mysteries. So I'll say, Mom, did you read it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was it
1: was good. <laughs> she's trying, but it's just not her thing. So
2: Well and she's I'll giving it a point. go.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, it's not that's one thing they say is really it's nice if you have friends or family that's into it or into the genre that you happen to write, but don't rely on them. It's kind of like I think we all realize when we first publish our book and we're so excited and we published it and we assume all of our friends are gonna support mm-hmm. us and get this book and do this thing and and they don't it happen.
2: no no it very rarely goes yeah. that way because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're still asking people to spend money and they're kind of looking at you like why can't you just give me the book
0: yes yes i found i've had a lot of people email me oh can you just send me a copy no it doesn't
2: work that way no it's no it's- no
1: I think it's interesting this goes for all kinds of art and even certain service industries like I have friends that cut hair and stuff like that right that are and I'm amazed when I talk to them how many people that are their friends think that they'll get a like a big discount or should get free hair cutting because they do that as if Mm -hmm. that's owed to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a friend mm-hmm. that I have friends that have bakeries and stuff like that. And they'll be like, Oh, how much is a cake? And they'll list off their price for a cake, even if they give a discount. It's by the slice, it's a lot of work for them. Yep. And then they're like, Oh, well, okay, never mind. I'll just go to Publix. And I'm like, What did you think was going to happen? You're asking somebody to give their service to you, you have to mm-hmm. exchange for it. Yep. It's- now, everybody yeah. wants freebies. That's yeah. so
2: I think they think that all the authors have just stacks of their books just sitting there waiting to just be given out like we're going to walk out on the street corner and just start throwing books that they think it's no big deal when they ask for a book they don't realize you know what goes into that
0: exactly we're trying to make money
1: too you know (laughs) well if that's how you're successful is by book sales so thank you please and thank you on the book sales um So you've done the Barnes and Noble stuff. If you've done a lot of podcasts or anything like that, you're on our podcast, but if you've done a lot of podcasts and stuff.
0: Not really. I've done a couple of them. Um, I reach out to a lot of podcast people, reviewers, uh, blogs, all kinds, and pitch them my story. And some are very nice to get back to me, but I'll be honest, the majority do not do not at all. And so I just try to accumulate a list of people who I end up having a good relationship with and who want to have me and try to, you know, weed out the ones who don't have time for me. And a lot of them have straight up told me like, you're not a big enough name. Thanks, but no thanks.
1: Yes, and that's why drinking with authors does not have that philosophy, no matter who you are, whether it's your first book or your fifth or your 287th book that you've published. Like, no, I think that's terrible. And I also think the lack of communication is terrible. You can at least go, no, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like the resume thing. I used to work in HR, people would send their resume to a company and then crickets hear nothing. Is he accepted? Are you not accepted? I just think it's ridiculous that we can't be polite. So going all the way back, look, look, I'm circling back, Danielle, you're proud of me. Very so nice, I appreciate panels, that. One. About being in a different time frame. I think that there is definitely a whole thing with manners that has mm-hmm. fallen out, you know, cause it doesn't oh, much yeah. to go, no, you know,
2: no, thank there's, you. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think it's also because especially in the last two years we're seeing each other over Zoom more, like there's less interpersonal contact and interpersonal mm-hmm. dynamics at play. That I think people kind of forget the manners. And that also takes it back to what you were saying about reviews is, you know, sometimes people write scathing reviews that really have nothing to do with the book, but can sometimes be a personal attack. And you're kind of like, weren't you taught some manners? Like, if you have nothing nice to say, either don't say anything at all or, you know, just like move on. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to such an extreme. And I think that's, like I said, across the board with podcasts. I know the ones that I've worked with, sometimes it's just they're inundated. They can't get to everybody. It's just like, they just can't, but at the same time, an automated email. Yeah, Thank you for your interest. If, if we want you, we'll get back to you. If not, please understand we have X amount of entries a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So at
0: least you feel
2: like there's some closure.
0: Yes, exactly. Instead of, you know, replying like a month later, like, hey, I don't know if you got my email, just wanted to touch base. And then it's because it, you're trying to get your name out there. And if nobody's mm-hmm. willing to give you a chance, are you going to get your name out there right and everybody starts somewhere that's right you know even that that
2: podcast it's like you're not big enough well where were you when you weren't the big podcast Mm -hmm. and how were you getting authors you know at that point it's like we all kind of need each other so it's hard to hear oh you're not big enough yet it's like okay well when i am i ain't coming back here anyway you know like right exactly
1: yeah. I mean don't, don't for me to be on your podcast, then I'm gonna be like hard pass. Thank you. Thank you
2: <laughs> you're not big enough for me.
1: So you said you were a really avid reader. Are you still an avid reader? I try to be.
0: Yes, because I don't think you can be a good writer if you're not reading books. Um and I kind of like what I like when it comes to books. You know, I've tried reading different things and I'm like, eh, it just doesn't do it for me. So I kind of found what I like and I tend to stick to to certain things. Like right now I'm reading um, the Leak of gentle women, Gentlewoman Witches. I can't remember the name of it. India Hulton, mm-hmm. it's her newest one though. Um, it's like a Regency, but with magic and witches and
1: pirates. See, mm, there you go. Are a thing. i think i think everybody a little bit of bullshit on your pirate book i really do yeah. think you get that out there i know
0: um but so you read books not only for entertainment and to kind of just get away for a while but as a writer you're absorbing all of this information that they're passing and just techniques and possibilities and not that you're going to use it, but it inspires you and it hopefully makes your own work that much better.
1: That's true. Do you leave reviews? I
0: do. Um, And now that I am on the other side of reviews, I try to be careful about how I do them. I I won't leave a review if it's a one star or if I didn't finish it. I just, I won't even bother. Um, But if I did not care for the book, I will explain why I didn't care for the book and not make it a personal attack on the author. I'll try to keep it about the book and explain this just wasn't my cup of tea. Maybe someone else will like it, here's why I did not. Um, Yeah, because I'm a reader, so I should be able to leave reviews.
1: No, I think you should. I always think it's interesting when I ask authors that, and I'm like, do you leave reviews? And they're like, no, not really. And I'm like, you want reviews. Mm -hmm. you're not leaving reviews there's like a karma thing involved with that Mm -hmm. situation and I do Mm -hmm. understand if it's going to be less than three stars maybe don't leave the review or I actually do tell people if it's not your cup of tea don't leave a review because you're not the audience for that book
2: Mm -hmm. right
1: now if you thought you were because of what it said then maybe you leave a review going you know it talked about pirates and there wasn't a single pirate in the book so right stars you know like but I think it definitely, if it's not your cup of tea, you should never, never leave a review. It's silliness. Mm-hmm. Okay, Danielle, I'm going to give you the final question before shameless self promotion time. I was going to ask Are you an outliner? Eric, is that a plotter or a pantser? You know, I get these terms confused all the time. It's plotter, pantser, and then there's chaotician, which we've discovered some authors are. And
0: what so, is that? Yeah
1: it's okay so there's a lot of authors that write in pieces of their book and then oh. kind of puzzle pieces Diana then, Gabaldon does that yeah they put them together so Danielle does that a lot of my co-hosts do that they they yeah. put them together I am like a classic pantser like I maybe have a couple bullet points but I will just sit down and write I don't do a lot I sometimes I write down the character descriptions from one book but how I do it is I go back and I listen or read my books, and then go, okay, now I remember what they look like, so I don't change what they look like from book to book. But I, go. but I don't have a lot of historical stuff in there. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm right now it's in different. the I'm writing my uh, serial killer series book, and there are some police procedures, and I've got little notes in my manuscript saying, "Look up this police procedure," "Look up this police procedure." <laughs> Because I don't know those particular procedures, but other than that, I might, if you do searching on my thing, it's how long does it take a body to decompose in this temperature outside? Like, it's That's terrible, true. and I've made many people know to, if I get arrested, to show up so they can explain why I, <laughs> like I'm a serial killer. they the browser account. history. <laughs> yeah, my browser history is in terrible shape. I'm sure I'm already flagged by the FBI. It's fine, but um, wh- what about you? <laughs> That gives me anxiety just hearing that.
0: I am a complete plotter. I'm very organized. Like I get, I get upset if I go to the grocery store without my list with me. I just, I need everything worked out. Now that's not to say that I don't allow for wiggle room or for like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll do this. But for the most part, I know where I'm going and how I want it to end because I like direction
1: i know where i want all my stories to end it's just the in between it's very it's very hazy you know the middle for me does a lot of times like i'll have my beginning and my end and then
0: i'm in in the middle i'm like well i don't i don't know i just need to get them from here to here but i don't know how to do all
1: that and, it, and that is when bob comes into play that everybody falls in love with and, mm-hmm. floor, and- right. right that's and
2: the plot you know. point red herring
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Okay, you know, will you please do shameless self-promotion? Where can people find your books and you on social media and stuff like that?
0: Um, So my books are at uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. They were at Target. Um, if you would like a signed copy of my new book coming out, there's one more page books in um, Arlington, Virginia, where I signed them. So you can get a signed copy of it. And they're a very small women-owned bookstore that's pretty awesome. They also got amazing chocolate there. Um, And then you can find me online, JanelleSoselski.com. Go there and it has all of my uh, social media accounts if you want to connect with me and sign up for my newsletter, which I try not to send out very often. And it only has important stuff like giveaways and upcoming events and stuff like that
1: very cool and what is the name of
0: your most recent book um my most recent one that came out last year is called the ice swan and then mm, the next one that i have coming out in november is called the brilliance of stars and it's based off the question of um what happens if the winter soldier fell in love you're a marvel fan
1: Ooh. yes 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 and Bucky fans, there are so many Bucky fans out there. Mm-hmm. Well done with that. Mm-hmm. See, pirates, Scotsman, and Bucky. Like you're doing great. You're hitting it out of the park here with this. Stuff. <laughs> I love it. Though? Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's fun. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I have been your host, Erica Lance. Um, Our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits, coupon code DWA10. If you're listening, don't forget to hit like and subscribe if you haven't already done that. And of course, you can leave us a review now that you've been drinking along with us. The review is going to be fantastic. We can't wait to hear it. Um, My co-host has been the amazing Danielle Orsino, and we will see you guys next time.